Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com scale. Hello and welcome again to Genius at Scale. Today's guest is Marie-Agnes Domas. I want to pronounce that right. Okay, good. Marie-Agnes, introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself. Uh, okay, so I'm Marie-Agnes Domas, as you said, John. I'm French. Uh, I've been living for many years now in the U.S. Uh, prior to that, I was expat, so I lived in different parts of the world. And basically, right now, uh, I'm working. It's not even... I wouldn't even say working because it's my passion, but basically uh, I'm with TerraCycle. Uh, it's the global leader uh, for solving waste. Uh, and we are located in about 21 countries uh, globally. Uh, but before that, basically, if you were to ask me a little bit about, you know, my story or um, Basically, um, I started like many other people in the corporate world, and uh, the goal was to go up as fast as possible. Uh, but then it came to a point uh, because of um, different position that I had, it came to a point where um, I was not fulfilled the way I wanted. And so as a result of that, uh, I did some research on myself and I found a, a professional coach. And through the process, I basically found out who I am and uh, what is my vision and passion. And I'm a catalyst for solving waste uh, by driving profitable sales. And through that process, um, my intent is to engage and uh, inspire the next generation of leaders. So that's basically um, who I am. And that's a little bit like in a very, you know, succinct way, my story. No, that's great. And, and for the audience, TerraCycle is a it's a very unusual company that I know a lot of people think it's a nonprofit yes. or an NGO. It's a no. for-profit corporation that uh, I love the tagline, I, uh, it, eliminating the idea of waste, even the idea of waste. Of waste. It's like, that's crazy. Yes. Uh, so how do you, yeah. first question, how, it, do you, how do you measure that you're actually doing that? I mean, is is any so, waste allowable? I mean, it, how, do you, how do you measure? Yeah, so... So it, 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 it so first is let's go back one step and it's about eliminating the idea of waste. So just starting there, uh, you can address uh, the the notion of waste in different uh, shape and form. The way that the company started about twenty years ago was uh, by um, basically solving for hard to recycle um, packaging and products. And then it evolved over time. So from that first, I would say the foundation, then we went into uh, basically solving waste by uh, collecting, for example, plastic from rivers, oceans, and creating new products. And then it evolved into uh, reuse uh, because we launched in January 2019 Loop, which is around circularity. And then we evolved towards, you know, even having a foundation uh, the TerraCycle uh, Foundation, located in developing countries. So we're starting in uh, India and Thailand, and then all the way to new business solutions, again, all about, you know, solving for waste. So going back to your question, if we focused on one of those business units, uh, which has been the uh, longest that we've been focusing on, which is around recycling and around 
recycling, how to recycle, you know, packaging and products, the way we measure it, it's different. There are different ways according to the objective of the program. So if I work, like, for example, when we work with a brand, a brand might want to have, they might have an objective of driving recycling. In that case, we measure by volume weight, but they might also want through the recycling also to generate sales. So in that case, the key performance indicators would be not only, you know, the volume collected, but also uh, the sales that were generated as a result of a program. You're agnostic. If they say it has to include future sales for us, you're fine with that. Yeah, totally. Actually, actually it's a very good question because specifically my team at TerraCycle, the retail team, is actually focused on generating sales. Why? Because um, when you recycle, recycling, how to recycle, you know, packaging and products is actually, you know, an investment. It's a cost. So whoever talks about cost, automatically you need to think about return on investment or added value. And there are different ways that you can measure the added value. One way to measure added value could be via uh, the reporting of, uh, you know, sustainability that is, um, you know, generated by the companies every year. Another way would be via um, impression, media impressions to impact the brand image. And the third one can be definitely the brand sales that you can generate when you secure an incremental space, incremental display in the stores. And that's what my team is focused on. My team is focused on helping the brands to secure incremental displays. And when we work with the retailers, the objective is to generate incremental category sales while obviously driving significant uh, recycling. Understood. So specific question after that answer, um, is it easier to scale a system or maybe a program or is it easier to scale people? Um, I would say it's a, it's easier to scale a program than people. I'm going to tell you why in the industry or the space that we work with, um, in, sorry, finding the people with the right, not only leadership skills, technical skills, but also the right level of passion is significant challenging because the people or my team or the people I work with not only are fearless leaders with amazing, you know, leadership and technical skills, but on top of that, we have an ingredient called passion that you definitely need in that space because we're creating models that never were possible before. And unless you have that passion and that courage, in combination with the leadership and the technical skills, then it makes it challenging to really achieve your goals uh, by the deadlines that you you set. So that's why um, I would say it's finding the right, I would say scaling the right people. It's not only scaling for scaling people, it's about scaling with the right, you know, um, talent. So I would say it's it's easier the way we talk about scaling in our space in um, more so like recycling, uh, usually it, it starts, you know, by a pilot. So if I take the latest, you know, uh, programs that we're doing, like, for example, right now we have a Walmart uh, community recycling hub in the U.S. And um, 
First, we're starting with a pilot because it's going to involve many brands. It's going to involve, we have 12 different waste streams. And so first we really need to understand the implication in terms of the customer behavior, in terms of how much waste we collect, and then um, how we can impact that customer behavior to recycle more, and then to convert that recycling into purchasing more, in that case, at Walmart. And the same thing in, you know, we're having another program with toys, uh, which is absolutely fantastic in, uh, uh, in Australia. It's the same. We started first with a pilot, and once we had the pilot, then we understood basically the insights, and then we converted the insights into an action plan that is enabling us to scale. Understood. Understood. So I'm curious, um, I work with a lot of uh, companies that fundraising is on everyone's mind, and especially now the fundraising yeah. markets are tighter. Um, one of the VCs that I work very closely with talks about uh, funding based on the necessary amount of miracles a company needs to fulfill their commercial vision. And miracles, we think of them as in the biblical sense. A miracle is yes. essentially creating something that's never been. So people talk about, oh, we're creative or we're Correct. innovative. They're taking a dating site and making it for left-handers. And you go, that's not that's not a miracle. That's that's not. You you you, you didn't invent anything new. You just made it for left-handers. How many miracles does TerraCycle need okay. to fund for in order to eliminate the idea yeah. of waste? Okay, so excellent question. And if I may, I'm going to use a slightly different language. In my world, I don't call them miracles. I call them breakthrough. So how many breakthrough do we need to basically um, solve, you know, um, you know, eliminating the idea of waste? I think they are like, uh, I don't know the ex exact number. What I know is that it's not only one breakthrough. It's going to have different breakthrough. Why? Because even you, John, if you look at, you know, at, at, at you, I'm sure that you might look at recycling a certain way at a certain stage of your life. But as soon as, for example, you have a family and, and kids, you know, sometimes you might think, oh my God, I don't want to leave that world, that planet, that community, the way it is today. So you might start looking at it differently. So um, it really depends on where you're going to be on your, you know, evolution on the sustainability scale. So based on that, I need to have different solutions that uh, apply to different people. And so that's why at TerraCycle, we have been trying to create those break, I mean, those business units and in each business units to create breakthrough. So in one of the major breakthrough that has been highly visible has been Loop, which is about reusable uh, because we launched it at the World Economic Forum. So high level of visibility, a lot of people, which is basically, like you said, it's the milkman, but it was not basically cut and paste. It was not like, you know, like you said, let's take the milkman and do it again. No, it was a lot more strategic than that, because in the case of Loop, it's not only about the milkman, but it's also about thinking, oh, the packaging used to be owned by the, the manufacturers, by the companies. What if I give that packaging, if the ownership of that packaging goes back to the consumer? In that case, you as a consumer, if you start owning it, then you're going to look at it differently. 
it's like, you know, if you have a, a, a bottle of Coke, the way you used to have it and the experience you had it, you know, if, if it were you, you would have it in glass and you would have it super nice. If it's, if it's your property, you're going to invest differently in it in, in terms of experience, in terms of you ask, etc. So that's one way to look at the solving for waste with one of the breakthrough differently loop. In my space, which is recycling, the way one of the breakthroughs I'm really working on is that community recycling hub. Why? Because the community recycling hub uh, is not only for solving for one waste, like, a, you know, like, a, for example, like, a, uh, I don't know, like a, in skincare, okay? Uh, skincare only, that would be one specific, you know, waste stream. No, we're looking at solving for 12 or like it could be 10 different waste streams in a way that is simple, seamless, turnkey for the customer. So that means that for you, John, I want to make it super simple for you to say, oh, I need to shop. Well, in that case, Walmart, I'm going to go to do my uh, stock up trip. And, um, oh, let me think about what do I have at home that I could bring? And then you simply go shopping and then on your way to shop, boom, you can drop your waste. So to make it in a very simple way. And that's the breakthrough I'm working towards. And the way I define a breakthrough is when you get to that stage when it's not my project anymore, but it becomes everybody's project. It has to be bigger than me. And that's how I'm going to be able to define a breakthrough. When I get to that level where it's so, so much bigger than me, that everybody is going to be engaged in the project. So it's it's interesting because I uh, I worked with the Airbnb guys early on, and the breakthrough, as you call it, I would call it a miracle, was uh, yeah. here. It was. What do you mean? Somebody's going to live in my house and go through my socks and underwear drawer? No way. And they broke through that. And once it happened, people yeah. said you know what, if everybody and their brother goes through my underwear drawer, what do, what do I care? It's the same as their underwear drawer and yeah. I'm getting paid for it. And then they, and that was the big breakthrough. The breakthrough wasn't the software or whatnot. It was the mindset of there's no way in hell I'm having somebody in my house or there's no way in hell I'm sleeping in someone else's bed. It was both. And once that happened, yeah. then the platform was necessary. So I'm curious what what has to happen in so if if i represent the consumers what has to happen for me yeah. to say uh oh i'm done with my tube of toothpaste i could bring this do something with it other than whatever's available right now right now what's yeah. available in our area is what's dictated by the city because they pick up plastic glass paper and cardboard basically and motor oil yeah but that's it. If you have, if you have something else like food waste, they don't handle food waste. They don't. They have no way to, to take it. So you throw that in the regular trash can. Um, how do you how do you get through that either with municipalities or okay. with the public so that that when I finish a tube of toothpaste, I say I know what to do with this. Yeah. So so. Again, it's going to be, you need a platform for that. So there is a set of uh, uh, packaging or products that are uh, recyclable at your curbside. So at home, you know, like, for example, transparent yeah. glass, uh, you know, aluminum, etc. Yeah. you can do it. 
And basically, all, all the municipalities in general on those basic ones will recycle them because they can basically generate revenues out of it. So that's why they recycle. Yeah, they can break even. As soon they can as break you get even into, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, break even. Yeah, exactly. As soon as you get with some type of waste that do not generate revenues for them, then in that case, they're not going to collect right. them. They're not going to recycle them. And that's why they become non-recyclable. So where I see the opportunity is at two levels. A, to give the platform first. And that's why I'm extremely interested in that notion of community recycling hub, because it's not only one. Or two. It's, a, it's, a, it's a platform. It's a solution called a hub in a way that address different, you know, waste streams that are not recyclable at your curbside, number one. Number two, once you have that platform, there is a, you would be surprised. There are many people who are waiting for that type of platform. I was just uh, like in, in Arkansas um, this past week. And I saw this lady at one of the uh, uh, sites, that, at one of the stores where we have the hub. And she thanked me so much. She said, that's the type of solution that we we need. So a lot, you already have a lot of customers, a lot of people who are waiting for this type of solution is that today they don't have it. Look, even in your own community, all the clicks that you have to go through just to find out what you can put into your yellow bean or what you have to put in the trash. So it's it's like, it's mind blowing. I mean, the first time I was like, it's too too many clicks. I mean, I will, I would live in here's, a world of one click. So you're asking me too many. Yeah, but here's here's the here's the binary problem. Take something in our area like a mattress. It's illegal in our state, and it might be federal, to recycle a mattress because they're worried about transporting diseases and all that stuff. I understand that, but no one takes them. So what ends up happening is people literally in the night go and throw them in a dumpster illegally and just they just kick the problem down the road because no one there there's really not a viable uh, goodwill can't take them they're not allowed to uh, the garbage people don't take them and there's no community recycling that accepts them and you think what do you do with an old mattress it, it, there's just no answer to that and you think yeah, how can something that simple uh, be such a a public nuisance because so, so, where they end yeah. up, they end up on the side of the freeway. Yeah. So no, how do you address that? How do you, how do you break through that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the way you break through that first is first to understand the, the, the platform that you can offer. So for example, in the case of uh, the waste streams that we're talking about, uh, you can offer like a community recycling hub. Then depending on the type of waste, the other waste that you have, you need to define like a supply chain or solution that makes sense for the customers first to be able to bring the mattresses or like the car seat or like the, the big toys. So you need that platform. Once you define the platform that you could call, you know, solution, supply chain, different words, then you need to identify, you need to identify the partners who are going to be your partners. So if it's a major platform, it, the, your partners could be a community, your partners could be a retailer, and then definitely the brands. And then you need to develop basically a, a concept where everybody is going to win because nobody is going to be doing it for free. Nobody. Everybody wants to basically get something in return for doing it. If a retailer is going to do it, they might 
they might do it because they're going to be able to demonstrate the, the quantity of weight collected that um, they could report into their annual CSR. Or it could be because of the impact on the brand image, or it could be because you are able, as a result of that, to drive more traffic. And so then you can generate more category sales. The same for the brands. But then you need to okay. quantify all of that in such a way that it makes business sense. So that's at the end of the day, when you ask me for specific, you know, waste streams, it starts with the supply chain or the platform and then identifying the right partners to make sure that you develop the concept that makes sense. No, I, it, it's, it's interesting because the breakthrough, certainly where we live, is at some level defined by the municipality. Because they have twice a year, they have mm -hmm. a e-waste, so you can take old computers and laptops and that kind of stuff and hand them off. But they don't have a format for weird things. No. So the tendency, right. and I've done it too, don't tell anybody, I've done midnight runs. I know where there's a dumpster behind a grocery store and I say, <laughs> what do I do with this, this old piece of furniture that nobody wants yes. and nobody can recycle? I dump it in a, and you go, I shouldn't, and, but it's because there's, there's kind of like not an outlet. So I'm, so I, I don't need, we don't need to address that anymore. Here, but, here's a, I was trying to switch gears a little bit because the process isn't so helpful. Curious. Um, is there an inflection point on this where you say we're growing like this, our growth is like this and we go like this as soon as mm -hmm. we solve this breakthrough or this, I'll call it a miracle. What's, what is that inflection yeah. point? I mean, what, Yeah. where does your scale go so, crazy because so you say, the, the, finally, this is the standard? Yeah. So for me, the scale, so actually in the world of recycling, certain key players such as the Ellen MacArthur's Foundation, the Ellen MacArthur's Foundation defined that inflection that you're talking about that, you know, basically breakthrough at about 10% recycling rate, meaning that if you are able to recycle 10% of everything that is sold at a specific retailer or of a specific brand, then that's where the impact starts to be significant. So let's assume that uh, we're in the US. So let's assume like, you know, like uh, you take Target, Walmart, I mean, whatever retailer you, you want. And let's assume that during the year, just for, you know, the example's sake, they sell, you know, 100,000 units of uh, 100,000 units of a specific type of product. That means that 10% of the 100,000 units sold at that retailer would need to be recycled at that retailer. When you are able to get to that level of uh, impact, that's where it starts to be significant. Understood. Usually, so that's so back then, that's that's a metric. That's a mathematical answer. What I'm asking is, from your vantage point, what what has to happen for us to get to ten or twelve or fourteen? Not, I get the ten percent is a meaningful number, but it assumes that we're not there. What has to happen either in the mindset of consumers or retailers or both or someone else, maybe, where you say, oh, we think about this. Everyone thinks about this differently now. So we, we blew through. We went from eight to 20 because we blew through this. And now that's the standard instead of the exception. What, what is that be, inflection so, point? In the standards, 
we're going, we're actually going through that right now. And what I'm seeing as being the inflection points is a seeing how much we're able to collect in a very specific time, how much we're able to engage people. So I would say that like, you know, the level of engagement from the people is one of the inflection points, definitely. Two is to see the benefit out of engaging people. So um, not only the, the amount of waste collected, but the impact that it has on the brands and the impact that it has on engaging people to go to the stores or to purchase the brands. Those are the inflection points that I'm seeing. And we, we are just going through that. So actually I had set up like, you know, a, 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 I have a goal obviously in mind, which uh, would get us there, but it involves so much. The level of investment is such that we need to go step by step to really pivot and go reach the goal that I have in mind. So it really depends so on it... not only the amount of weights. Go ahead, John. Yeah. So does that start with the retailer? So it, so I'll pick a brand, uh, Colgate or Crest. Yes. So we stick with toothpaste. I don't know if that's right, but it, it, does that does Colgate have yeah. to entice me to bring back my empty tube of toothpaste, or do I have to insist that Colgate take this on, or I'll switch to Crest? But who drives it? Does the consumer drive it, or uh, does the retailer drive it? So. So right now, right now, it's more like, you know, uh, I would say it would be more the retailer driving it. Um, the, I don't think that some customers found out, yes, there is a group of customers, maybe like, you know, maybe 10% of the population, eight to 10% of the population who really makes a point today of saying, I'm not going to purchase this brand because but you still have the rest of the populations yes. really being driven by the price. Okay. Because, because it's a commodity. It's not like, you know, it's toothpaste. It could be like, you know, shampoos, etc. So usually it's going to be right now. It's been driven, like I said, by the retailers most of the time. And small part of the population is starting to think about, to think about it. Uh, but again, it's challenging because it's just a toothpaste. So you're going to be also driven by the, 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 the price of the product. So the more the retailer can really combine and, uh, basically develop program by showing the customers, not only the quality of the product, uh, offering it at the right price, but also demonstrating how it impacts their families and the communities. That's how you're going to be at the end. If the price is similar, you're going to say, well, I'm going to buy this brand versus this brand because this brand is doing more for my family and for my community and for my kids than the other brand. And that's, and that's one of the breakthroughs that has to happen. That's one of the breakthroughs that has to happen. Uh, and then you need to do that in a constant, the other, the other breakthrough that needs to happen, especially in the, in the U S is quite challenging. Remember, because we're different states. So you need to replicate, you know, that solution across all the different states and each state has a, has a different challenge. So for us in the U S 
the one of the breakthrough is to be able to replicate that basically win across all the different states in the U.S. Right, right. But it serves everyone. That seems 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 similar. I'm going to shift gears again. Sorry. Curious. Um, you're playing a a treacherous game. I'm not meaning that in a bad way, but it's a it's a game. Yeah. You're like pioneering a model that hasn't been pioneered. What's the biggest? Um, Correct. Uh, maybe it's mistake, but I would say what's the biggest roadblock you've hit for which you had to pay a gigantic price to either solve it or go around it or redesign it? Gigantic price that we have to solve it or um, actually. Actually, in the world in which we live at TerraCycle, we have to make those adjustments kind of consistently. So if you take Loop, for example, you, you know, Sorry. the reuse Sorry. What, model. If you could bring up a specific example, that's helpful. Yeah. So if I were to bring it like a specific example, um, I've been at TerraCycle for four years. And in the four years that I've been at TerraCycle, I started working maybe with uh, a model where um, I'm going to engage you, uh, John, and I'm going to say, look, uh, when you recycle these products, uh, thanks to you recycling it, we're able to transform it into like a playground or like a, a bench. I understand. I started, which, which is pretty simple. And, and, and to go from there to the solution that we have today in place, which is the Walmart, you know, community recycling hub, we've made many adjustments. One of them being, okay, um, how can I engage the retailer? Before the retailers were not even willing to think about having a solution at their store, at least in the US, it was not even thinkable. So we had to, every time the world is adjusting at different, level. It's adjusting at the level of the customer. It's adjusting at the level of the retailers. It's adjusting at the little level of the brands. And so because of the variables, we find ourselves, us TerraCycle, having to constantly adjust to make sure that we're going to have the biggest impact possible in terms of driving recycling. So that's why I'm saying since I started four years ago, I would say every time uh, maybe there are product, there are programs that didn't work, and so I learn from it, and then you have a breakdown, and then you learn from it, you make the adjustment, and then you keep going. So that's why I'm saying in the world in which we are at TerraCycle, it's constantly evolving between those variables: retailers, uh, 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 customers, or consumers, brands, and also the 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 context in which we live because. Even if you take, when was it, like uh, six, eight years ago, we didn't even have goals to be achieved. It didn't, the goals didn't, ever achieve, didn't even exist. Now, at least we have goals. So we have to constantly adjust with those variables that uh, evolve constantly. I understand. I understand. It's a fascinating world. It's, uh, uh, yeah, and a big, obviously, it's a, big, it's a big outcome for the planet, which is a great thing. Um, we have one fun question we do with yeah, all of our ahead. guests, and, and that is the, the, the theory is, had we gone back to your junior high school, seventh, eighth grade, 
you probably have braces and pimples because um, everybody does in seventh and eighth grade. What were the signs or what were the what was the evidence that Mariagnus would show up this way later in life as a leader and as a as a player, if you will, in in the in a really yeah. important game? Um, I know you've had like some fun, you know, answers on those on this one. Mine might not be as fun as as the others, but uh, basically from the beginning, I've always been like, I think, a, a honey badger. Um, once I found out about that animal, um, I said that de described myself perfectly, meaning that I never give up. And I was like that from the beginning, um, when I was like, I used to swim and be a, a sports like athlete, never give up and always looking at the solution from different angles. And I think, you know, it's not a fun story, but it's always been like that from the beginning. So for my parents, I would drive them crazy so because they would say no one school. way, it didn't matter. Yeah, that was the same. It was the same for school. I had challenges in school. Um, I was actually dyslexic, uh, but as a result of that, I developed skills that the others don't have nowadays. Uh, so again, it doesn't matter if I have a challenge on my road, I will always find a solution either by myself or find the people who will help me to solve it. So that's the other thing that um, I think I've, um, a gift which is being able to connect with people. And so as a result, I'm able to find people who are going to be able to help me to basically um, solve for the challenges that I have. So again, not, not a fun story, but definitely you can see the same, you know, I would say um, the strong suits basically that I had when I was uh, yeah. younger it's, are it's basically the same today. It's interesting how many leaders, senior it, leaders, CEOs, it's how many of them are either dyslexic or ADHD because in school, nobody knew what to do with them <laughs> and they, and they had to yeah. learn to, to learn a different way because the school system had no, they had no system for them. They just said, you don't fit. So you're kind of out. Not, not great, but, uh, Ah, yeah. that's, it's, the unintended consequence is that you learn a different way. It's funny. You, it's funny you say that because um, actually I found myself later on in my career in a place that uh, basically I didn't fit because my my passion was bigger than what right. the, the, the place could handle. At the time, I didn't see it because I wanted to prove something. Um, actually, wanted to prove something to my dad. Um, who had passed away, so it was kind of challenging. <laughs> but I wanted to make a point, so that's why I stayed in that place. But actually, it, it, it was not meant for me uh, because people didn't know what to do. So very often, it, 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 it's interesting the way you put it. I had never looked at it from that perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I yeah, so just, appreciate yeah, your wisdom, you your do, insight, yeah. your experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we find the only way to get at this this topic of scaling is for to, to talk to people who are actually in a scaling game. So I really appreciate you being here with us at Genius at Scale. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? 
If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple, easy, and gives specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.